Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Friday, the 8th of January. Good morning. 1850-715-996. The number, the text or WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. I hear Pierce going through in the news there, the various electoral areas and uh, the COVID figures hub. They give out the electoral area figures about every two weeks. I've been going through the Cork figures for the last couple of weeks, just Cork City and County overall. And as you know, we've been doing this regularly now on the show for the last couple of months. And I think before I go to our first guest this morning, I I may well do them again because the situation uh, this morning, Friday the 8th of January in Cork, is extremely serious. I did numbers for you on Monday morning. Um, And since last Monday the 4th, We've had 3,297 new cases across Cork City and County. The 14-day figure up to today, now bear in mind, 14 days ago today was Christmas Day. So 14 days ago, uh, between 14 days ago and today, we've had 6,028 new cases confirmed in Cork City and County. Over half of those, 3,297 in the last four or five days. That gives us a 100k figure that's the 100,000 population figure for the past 14 days of 1,205 which is a colossal figure now to give you an idea of how serious this is if you go back a month go back to the 8th of December and I double checked this because I thought I was wrong I went back and I rechecked and rechecked our 14 day figure a month ago on the 8th of December was 154 and we had been going down because the previous week the 14-day figure was 200 and something so we had been going down a month ago to 154 for 14 days from that day to this we've had such a surge our numbers are now gone up 40 fold 40 times more in the space of a month and for the people who consistently accuse me of scaremongering and fearmongering these are the numbers from the hub so you can't lie the numbers don't lie now my first guest this morning is dr gabriel scally uh, you'll know dr scally uh, his name at least from the cervical check story but 
As I mentioned during the week, he is better known and it is his day job as a public health expert at international level. He's based in, in the UK. I think he's joining me this morning from Bristol, but has quite an amount of expertise because for a number of years, Dr. Scally, I believe you were the head of public health uh, in the north of Ireland or in Belfast at least. And of course, you know uh, both jurisdictions very well. Good morning to you. Uh, good morning. Yes, I, I used to be director of public health for the Eastern Board in, in Northern Ireland, and uh, yeah, and I, so I, I've been watching things proceed north and south uh, very closely, and uh, I, 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 I'm horrified by your data. And I know that feeling. I've had it over the last couple of days, going back to look at the data, and, and, and because it just doesn't sound right, and then you find it is right, and it is horrifying. Yeah, it is. You've been very critical of the response of governments both here and in the UK to the developing situation and how it was allowed to happen. What key mistakes were made, Dr. Scally? Well, first of all, could I say that uh, the difference, there's a big difference between the North and the Republic, an enormous difference. Uh, the North's had a very bad autumn and a, and a huge second wave and uh, a really terrible situation. Whereas I am full of admiration for what happened, and you give a very low figure there for, for Cork some weeks ago, and across the country, I think the fantastic job was done, and there wasn't really a second wave uh, in the autumn months at all. And I think what has happened is that there has been uh, a lot of concern has built up over time about the, the state of the economy and rightly so and there's been a lot of pressure for things to be opening up and there's been a lot of excitement about Christmas coming and uh, there's been and, and I think the politicians um, lost, lost their nerve a bit and opened up things that shouldn't have been opened up and uh, and, and once, once you get a tenor of, of, of thinking and, and talk about uh, relaxation. It's very difficult to get that genie back into the bottle, mm. and I, I think that's what happened. And I, you know, gives me no pleasure to say it, but I, I, I did say repeatedly, north and south, that uh, you know, relaxation in the run up to Christmas would mean, uh, yeah, lots of merrymaking with friends, relations, neighbours, friends, but uh, it, it would mean burying some of them in January and February, and that's the course we're on now because. Those very high numbers of cases you're talking about will feed through into serious illness going into our hospitals, and they will uh, they'll, they'll lead to deaths, unfortunately. And, and we shouldn't forget those cases as well, those high case numbers, that uh, one in 10, around one in 10 people who, who get ill with COVID-19 will end up with long COVID, this sort of disabling syndrome that uh, goes on for at least months. We don't know how long it, uh, in many cases it will last. But There's, so there's a new study in the Lancet, up. Dr. Scully, which you may have seen. Uh, the, the Lancet magazine is, yes. is reporting that over 70% of people in Wuhan still have at least one symptom. And how long ago is it since Wuhan started? Oh, yes, indeed. And, and, and that's exactly right. So you talked about uh, the rate being... Um, over a thousand, absolutely. But for every thousand cases, maybe a hundred of those will be in that situation. They will have long-term disabilities, and it's not—it's not age related. It is, of course, age related. Older people have a, a much tougher time. But there are plenty and plenty of um, 
uh, long COVID cases in younger people and people who were not particularly affected by the, the first symptoms of the illness at all, but went on to develop serious complications long term. It's, it's, I have this at the back of my mind, I have a very worrying suspicion that this virus may have more, uh, more horrible stories to tell along the way because the, what's not talked about, which I learned a long time ago in my training, was about the aftermath of Spanish flu. And decades later, there was a, a really a huge surge in cases of Parkinson's disease that was attributed to the infections wow. uh, during the pandemic flu. And we know this virus affects the brain and there is there is a real possibility that it, it, it leaves people with uh, long-term uh, susceptibility uh, to other things so I, it's an intensely worrying position and i really hope that the the republic gets the situation back under control as soon as possible it's gone up very fast but at it's the right way, way way taken, too fast come down. Yeah. oh incredible it's incredible yeah. people talk about ex- exponential growth and this is absolutely it's like a, a rocket taking off yeah. and uh, but if it goes up fast it can come down fast but it needs really firm action and, and a credible sense of responsibility from every one of us to make sure that it comes back down again yeah. that, that leads me to, to my next question you, you were and have been fulsome in your praise for how ireland was doing in the summertime and again i've been doing these numbers dr skelly for months on end now and when i go back and look back at my numbers from the middle of summer, you might as well say we had it practically licked in Ireland in the summertime. How do we get back there? Uh, Well, the same way we got there, which is taking it really seriously, everyone taking it seriously and get back down again. And you're right, the summer, it's amazing when it's looked back upon and you look at that period of time when in the North and and in the Republic, there were no deaths for days and days. When there were cases in the north in single figures in in the republic in the teens of figures, you're, you know, we're talking about thousands of cases a day now, and uh, it was it was uh, the elimination of the virus from the island was not only within grasp; it was sitting right right beside us. It was on the table, ready to be taken, and we we didn't, uh, and it was a miss, a huge missed opportunity, and that was all because of our. Um, you know, a feeling that we should keep the borders open and then rely upon self-isolation, which is voluntary and, and that didn't work. And the virus just flooded back in again. And it was a terrible, terrible error. We, we are being told consistently, including indeed by, by our Taoiseach from time to time, that we could not do here what they did in New Zealand or indeed in, in parts of Australia, most notably Queensland, that we could not do that. Do you agree? I disagree completely. And people say, oh, New Zealand's a long way from everywhere, anywhere. It's a small population. So, but there are plenty of examples. Um, uh, Taiwan is a brilliant example. There's a, a country with a huge population, a density, uh, many times that in, in these islands. Huge airline capacity, uh, routes, extraordinarily busy, some of the busiest in the world. And they've had you know, handfuls of deaths from COVID-19. And they... And, it's, and their economy is working and their social life is working and they're going to their baseball games and they're having their, their celebrations. And it, uh, there are plenty of countries like that that have taken the sensible option and it's all about getting it way down and keeping it there and, con- and putting public health controls on, uh, on your borders, ports and everything. In another interview during the week, you said our performance with regard to the borders had been woeful. 
absolutely woeful. They're very, when you look at, well, in, in our performance in terms of COVID, when you look at the islands of the world, the island countries of the world, Britain and Ireland have the worst performance of any islands anywhere, apart from one or two little tiny places that had a handful of cases, really. But the woeful performance, and uh, it is absolutely, absolutely terrible that uh, when you look at, uh, there was a very good analysis done of countries that put on public health controls on the borders. And 93% of the, at one point, 93% of the world's population lived in countries with public health controls on the borders. And Britain and Ireland were some of the very few countries, along with Mauritania and Mongolia, that didn't put on controls on their borders. It was absolute daftness. This virus loves international travel. That's how it came to our shores in the first place. Mm. And if if controls have been put on at that point in the summer and managed isolation, it's not keeping people out. It's saying when you come, you are going to go into not self-isolation, but a managed isolation. There should, it's not that big a difference for the person in Mandatory theory. Mandatory hotel-based quarantine? Yes. We've got hotels empty all over the place that could, could perform that function and still could perform that function because even though vaccination is coming, we've got a long and rocky road uh, to, to, to get us back to normal. We'll still be having outbreaks and um, uh, serious outbreaks uh, as we go along. Dr. Scala, let me focus for a minute on education because, again, you, you'll know the situation. Um, our schools are now shut until the end of January. Um, there was a possibility that leaving cert students would go be going back three days a week. That's now been kicked to touch because the teaching unions <clears throat> just weren't going to live with it. And I think the students themselves and their families weren't so happy about it. This constant mantra coming from our politicians that schools are safe places. Do you agree with yeah. that? Oh, I don't agree with it. No, they're not safe places. They could be made much safer. And, I, 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 you know, I am... More than slightly fed up with politicians talking the, about the importance of schools, but they're not giving the, the, the resources to schools to do the sort of things that would improve the safety, particularly with a, a new variant, the much more transmissible variant and so on. So what I would love to have seen were really uh, exciting programs of providing uh, children, particularly those in the least well-off circumstances, with, uh, with laptops and uh, remote learning devices, uh, providing their families with free broadband so that they could uh, learn uh, from home. And in the schools, um, taking over extra space. Gosh, we have so much empty space available in community halls or business premises or conference facilities or sporting organizations, clubhouses and so on. Taking over all that uh, space and expanding classrooms so that uh, the, the class space, so that Children aren't huddled together in their traditional classes and also putting a lot of money into improved ventilation. We know how this virus spreads. It spreads through the air and improving ventilation is the sort of thing we should do. And, you know, one of the interesting things for me, looking back at my childhood, I went to a school in the Falls Road in Belfast, one of the poorest bits of Belfast, but they had had an architect who built fantastic schools in the, in the 1930s there. Uh, on sanitary principles, lots of light, high ceilings, opening windows, no internal corridors, um, everything was open, verandas were open, and uh, it was built on the basis of sunlight and ventilation. And yeah. that's the sort of schools we should be planning for because this could happen to us again, but there's no reason yeah. why lots of stuff about ventilation couldn't be done now. Yeah, yeah. They're determined 
that the schools will reopen on the 1st of February. Now, on the basis of the numbers that I introduced the programme with this morning, Dr Scally, do you see that as possible? I, I don't see it as possible, really. I, 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 don't believe it's, I, I don't believe it's at all sensible. And I, I, surely we should be turning our energy to making sure that kids uh, can be educated uh, properly and uh, remotely as much as they possibly can. There may be a case for opening facilities for some kids who are particularly at risk uh, or for uh, some kids of, of, of key hospital workers because the, the hospitals are going to be dealing with the cases of, of, of COVID in the, in, the, in the wards and the intensive care units for some time now. And uh, so there may be a case for some limited opening, but uh, we, we really should not open up any bits of our society that we don't have, that we don't absolutely have to uh, until the numbers uh, come down to the sort of levels that they were, as you were talking about, a, a hundred or two hundred uh, per hundred thousand, not thousands of cases. Yeah, in the summertime we were down to we were down to single figures here in Cork. Oh, I remember doing yeah. doing the numbers. Doing the yes, numbers. Cork did very well. I remember <coughs> looking at the data, and Cork did very well. And I, I, that, that's the tragedy. You know, we let that slip hmm. through our hands. Doctor Skelly, it's a Despite the dark news with which we've been surrounded for the last number of weeks, uh, this is a beautiful, sunny winter Friday morning. Surely with vaccines coming, the future is brighter. Oh, much brighter. You know, I'm, I, 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 I sometimes have to remind myself that, that, that it is really important to be optimistic about it. I, I do come from Belfast, and there's a kind of saying there that an optimist is someone who hasn't heard the bad news yet. But the good news is, indeed, vaccines are going to, to sort out this problem to us to a, for us to a great extent. Vaccines are not everything, and they require they still require containment uh, activities to stop the virus spreading and causing outbreaks. You know, we uh, in, in countries that don't get their vaccination up to uh, almost 100 percent you still get outbreaks. We don't have a vaccine yet um, licensed for children, for example, so for children and young people, so the virus can still spread. There will still be some people who can't have the vaccines for health reasons. And uh, we know that the vaccine isn't 100%. Uh, but there's a long way to go before we can say that, uh, I, uh, you know, we can relax. And one of the dangers, I think, is that everyone thinks that the vaccine is the cavalry coming charging over the hill to save us. And it may well save us. But don't rely on it yet. We've got to keep, we've got to keep the virus at bay. Mm. There's a real danger that when we get the elderly and the uh, people with serious underlying conditions vaccinated, everyone will say, and politicians will say, and business people will say, and the travel industry will say, oh, no, well, we can lower our guard now. But there are lots and lots of people out there who are not at high risk, but are at medium risk or even low risk. Maybe they've got chest problems, maybe they've got cardiac problems. And if we let the virus spread in the general population, at an even faster rate than it's spreading at the moment, which could happen if we dropped our guard, well, you wouldn't get a high instance of, of, of cases amongst those people, but there are so many of them that you yeah. will get serious cases. And there is still long COVID. And we don't want to come out of this not only having, having unfortunately and tragically lost a lot of good people, but we, we don't want a, a high, a huge number of people who are disabled 
um, left behind by the, the receding tide. No, we've got, to, we've got to go at this really steadily and carefully and do it really well. And mm-hmm. one of the great things is we know Ireland can do that, absolutely can do that. It's absolutely possible to get out of this well. But we need to keep our nerve and put our reliance on the public health measures that, uh, that delivered for us last summer and will deliver again. Hmm. Lastly and briefly uh, on the vaccines front there's very exciting news at least our reading of it anyway is very exciting Dr Scally from Johnson & Johnson that they have this dose or this vaccine coming which will be just one injection you can keep it in a domestic fridge now they're still doing trials on it it's not ready yet it'll be a month or two before it's anywhere near being ready to go but that is a game changer is it? Well the, the great thing is Uh, There have been at various times uh, over 200 different vaccines in preparation, some of them from and and using different technologies. And over the next six months, we're going to see some really uh, exciting news coming out of the vaccine world. And we we will have plenty of vaccines in due course and they will be effective and they will be, as as you say, some of them will be easier to handle. And, And that issue about... Uh, it being able to be kept in a, a, a normal fridge is really important because if the, the, more, the more fragile the vaccine is, the, the more cases you, you, uh, of, of people will, will occur where the vaccine hasn't worked for various reasons because of temperature or it wasn't handled properly. So easy-use vaccines will be a tremendous asset. And there'll be plenty of vaccines coming. We've just got to hold our nerve and, and wait How long is it before we will know, do you think? The key question with a vaccine, obviously the first purpose of a vaccine is that if I have it in my body, I don't get sick and that COVID will wash over me and I won't even develop symptoms. It'll it'll help me to resist COVID. That's the first point of a vaccine. The second point of a vaccine is that I will not be infectious. At what point will we know whether that is the case? Well, I hope we will know... For, uh, for the vaccines that have been deployed within the next month or two, whether the vaccine is a sterilizing vaccine, which is the one you're talking about, that, that absolutely stops you getting a, a real viral load in your body. Um, we don't know that yet, and uh, it, it will be very... Um, and is it normal you. that we wouldn't know? Uh, at this stage... The trials that have been done of the vaccine are to see whether it works in a big population, 40,000-odd people or 50,000, 60,000 people in some of these pilots. Uh, And it's based on symptoms because that's the easy thing to do. Um, Now that the vaccine is available and being deployed, we will be able to look at at, at people's and and studies will be going on, which will be taking uh, swabs from people consistently after they get the vaccine and after they've been exposed to see whether they are incubating the virus. And it's important for, for two reasons. Firstly, if they've got the virus and they can shed the virus, well, then they can spread the virus, even though that won't affect them. The second thing is the more virus activity that's going on, the more variants that will occur. So these new variants, the one from the UK and the one from South Africa, etc., they... Uh, they only occur because there's lots of virus replication going on. So if, we have a, if the vaccines turn out and if some of them turn out to be sterilizing vaccines, that will be great news because it will stop that viral replication and cut down the risk of new variants occurring. And that's the worrying thing about the surge in cases uh, that's taking place at the moment in the UK and in Ireland. Uh, and, and that is 
the, the virus is out of control and the more it replicates, the more variants will turn up. And the fear always is that another one of those variants will come along with some characteristics that will make it even more dangerous and even more de- deadly. Okay. Dr. Scalia, thank you very much for your time and your input to our program this morning. Pleasure. Thank you so much. That's Dr. Gabriel Scali. Um, I think uh, 20 minutes or nearly 20 minutes of rock-solid common sense from a public health expert. The kind of people that we should be listening to. And let's not bother listening to politicians and business people and lobby groups and all of that. You know, if you listen to publicans, they'll tell you their place is safe. If you listen to anyone running any business, they'll say, oh, my business is safe and here's why. Let's listen to people more, at least, to people like Dr. Scally, and let's do what they're telling us. And remember when we nearly had this licked, we absolutely had this licked last summer. Uh, We didn't keep it there. And he says, well, we could go back there. We could do it again. I think personally, I think great hope from um, from what Dr. Scally has been telling us this morning, if we listen to him. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. We will put up a podcast extra of uh, Dr. Scally uh, later on this morning. To remind you again, of course, we do podcast the show every day, the full show, uh, every day. You get it sometime between 2 and 3 in the afternoon. It uh, goes up first on our Twitter feed and then it goes on to the Cork's 96mm phone app or indeed anywhere else you get your podcast. It's the full show and it's available pretty much every afternoon between 2 and 3, the podcast of The Opinion Line. And, and with items like Dr. Scally, we put them up as what we call podcast extras. And if you're following the podcast, uh, take updates from it. You'll get the podcast extras as they come down. That was great. He really, really did put simple sense together for the last 20 minutes and thank you to Dr. Scally for that 1850-715-996 Morris says Peach the Isle of Man has become a fortress against Covid the pubs are open the clubs are open the shops are open the airport and the ferry port are closed to travellers could easily have been done yes Morris and they have one of the most um, stringently enforced mandatory quarantine systems in this part of the world people are sent to jail in uh, the Isle of Man, if they do so much as go to the shop when they're supposed to be quarantining. They're very, very strict over there. Did you hear that story about that idiot who decided to try to go on a jet ski uh, to see his girlfriend? He's paying the price for that, so he is. 1850 I'll come back to all of this and all COVID-related stuff uh, during the morning, as we do every day. But I want to go to Riva, who's got a story, I think, that um, will serve as a cautionary tale to many of us with regard to our youngsters on social media. Riva, good morning. Good morning, PJ, and Happy New Year to you. And um, to you. Great to talk to you. I suppose, as you know, I talk for Ireland, but... This is something, I suppose, that's very personal and has really shook me. Um, My story started last Wednesday. I come into Thursday morning. My daughter came in to me and she said, Mom, I can't get into my Facebook account. Um, Someone has changed the email address and has changed the password. And she, he rang and 
demanded she paid $300 to get her Facebook page back. Um, we contacted Facebook, of course, straight away. And um, Sorry, I contacted we'll, we'll, I'll go there in a second, Reba. How did she first notice this? Did it just turn out that she couldn't get right. in all of a sudden? Yeah, no, you see, because I would be very aware and I would always advise her when you come off Facebook not to come off and leave it on your phone or leave it on your laptop. Sign out because mm. it's safer and that's what you're advised to do. Yeah. Um, and then she went to sign in again and couldn't sign in and had got on the, this guy had changed the email address and the password. So um, we we went through it and we tried to look for the original email that Facebook sends you when you first set up the page. You yeah. can retrieve it. We couldn't find it. And this guy was texting and emailing from her page, as I sent to you. Um, Thursday morning, I received that. And... He wanted a hundred dollars, so I I spoke to Lily, and I sort of said, "Look, um, I had asked, I had to ask her straight out, like, was there anything, you know, very personal? She'd sent her fiance, or you know, which I would always advise not to, because you don't own your Facebook page." It's free, so, you know, unless I firmly believe unless you pay for something, it doesn't give you any sort of protection as such, and she Mm. told me no. But then he was threatening, and I said, look, I am not, I'm not paying him to get back the page. I said, start a new page. I said, I will, I will put up on my Facebook page, and I tried to put it up on hers, but he blocked me from hers. Then I said, we will ring your, my, my mother is on Facebook she, and she's in her 70s. And I said, we will, we will tell as many people on your page as possible that this has happened. Mm. I am not paying a ransom for a Facebook page. Did now, you get on Facebook, Reba? I got onto Facebook, yeah, yeah. Again, PJ, you can't give out. I'm on, we're in the middle of COVID day as well. I have less. Um, you know, put staff working. Um, I got onto the guards, um, and, and I have to thank. I had three offers yesterday of the money to pay it because yeah. he was texting other people that. How much is he looking for now? Do, do you know anything about well, him? Do you know where he is? Uh, he's in Jamaica. He, oh, this guy has more front than Devonhams. We rang the page, PJ, video called the page, and he answered himself. And my daughter took a screenshot and put it up. And I, like I was, when your reporter rang me, because I, 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 I really believe I'm still in shock that this is actually happening. Um, and I told him straight out, I said, I don't care what you do. I said, I'm not paying it under no circumstances. And... Again, then after that, we hung up and he had been texting other people and, you know, we, they were ringing us and that. And Facebook would be very important to her 
Yeah. Um, can, she, you said you got onto them. Can they close the account down? Have they any powers to intervene here? We are waiting for them to close the account down. We're hoping it may come down today. Now, we're just hoping that it comes down before you put anything malicious or sexual or we don't know. We are, it's horrific stuff. Um, and it's just so very, very, very frightening. This, she's a, like Lily is 22, but she suffers from severe dyspraxia. She has, she has a, you know, she has a very good number of friends. They would Zoom call, they would be constantly on to it. And, yeah. and like I didn't sleep, I didn't sleep last night either because I just, my imagination now is possibly running away with Yeah, me you're, you're afraid of what well. he might do with what's there, regardless of what it is and all of that. Even yeah, the even though we've, we have told everyone, and that's why yeah, I, yeah. I asked her, could I send them to you? Yeah. I said, because no, people... Well, I'm thinking, know, Reva, is I have a daughter around the same age, and, and, and I'm thinking to myself, well, the most innocent photograph... Yeah, can be abused could. these days, and that would yeah. worry any any parent. I could understand that. Terry is just saying here to me, on on the screen, that yeah. he had three fake Instagram accounts set up in his name. Messages were sent to friends asking for money. He got onto Instagram via their web service, filled in an online form, and they closed it all within thirty minutes. Presumably, Facebook have a similar setup, don't they? Own Instagram at this stage? All they do own Instagram, Instagram, but there's a different. It's different on Facebook now. Instagram seem to uh, seem to work faster. Now, hopefully, it could be down today. Yeah. If yeah. it's not down today, I'm just going to start ringing Facebook offices and see what I can do because I, um, I, it's just. Now this guy's brazen and shameless. And, yeah, it's and... you've know it, it's just. I, I, I was looking at him and I was sort of thinking to myself, this man is actually really asking me for money to give me back my daughter's page he's holding it for ransom. And I thought to myself, and I said it to him, I said, you're telling me like you're doing it. I said, we're poor as well. There's no way I'd do anything like this. And it's, Chances are, chances are he's done it to many more, Reva. That's the thing. We started getting, I started getting weird, um, you know, um, friends add-ons last night, weird messages, which we went in now, probably from him, because he probably has, he could have hundreds of people's um, pages. Like, and I can't even speak. And I know, okay. there's... And that's not like me, as you know. I'm very normally. I'm very <laughs> off the top of my head. And I'm very and I sure. No, no. You can see you're, you're a worried. You're a worried mother. I'm Reva, a very worried I, mother. Yeah, I am. And I I'm, want to tell other people this can happen very easily, but I'm not paying right. it. No, well, you know point. what? That's the stand you're taking, and I think you're probably dead right. I don't think I'd pay it either, Reva. It's it's the salutary lesson. To us, I think that this this mm. can and, and 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 is happening. And I, I, you know, what happens when someone like you talks out, like someone, uh, pe- other people start picking up the phone. Actually, that happened to me too. So we'll see what's out there, and we'll see what comes back, and we'll okay, see if anybody solves it. Thank you very it. much for taking the time. And my pleasure, Reva. My pleasure. Look after safe. yourself. Take care now. God bless. Thanks very much. That's Reva. Her daughter, Lily, twenty-two years of age. Facebook page.
like thousands of others, couldn't get into it the other night. Then she's been contacted by this guy in Jamaica who claims he has now taken over her page and he wants €300 to give control of it back to her. And Reva has said, stick that where the sun don't shine, sunshine. But if he's done it to her, he's done it to others. He's brazen about it. He's shameless about it. And she said he's got more front than debitums. Has that happened to anybody that you know or has it happened to you? But it is a lesson, definitely. Don't leave your Facebook open when you walk away from the computer or even when you finish with your phone for the night. Don't leave your Facebook open because people can get into it and they look for money. And, yeah, Instagram, as Terry outlined to me there on the screen, Instagram act very fast, very quickly. It appears Facebook is a little bit slower off the mark. But has that happened to anybody else? And if it has, how did you fix it? 1850s, other than giving them the money. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 9696 On Cork's 96FM. Quick mention of this lest I forget I think I did yesterday so my apologies Uh, there's a young lad called Calvin Mulryan he's two years of age and imagine getting this as a Christmas present on the 26th of December Stevens's day uh, he was diagnosed with acute leukemia the poor little lad now his prognosis is good Uh, he has a long fight ahead of him he'll need about two years of chemotherapy at Crumlin. So far he's had a blood transfusion and all sorts of different procedures. He's had an operation on his bone marrow and he's due to start chemo this week. There's a GoFundMe has been set up. It's called Calvin's Fight. Uh, He's a very well-known lad, very well-known family around the north side of the city. My good buddy Roy Buckley was pitching in uh, for his uh, fundraising there during the week to, to try to get a few quid into the bank for the family. They've got two tough years ahead. Thankfully, the news, the prognosis is quite good. Um, but if you want to help, you can. Calvin's fight. Just look into it on GoFundMe. 1850-715-996. The kids are off school. Uh, they were supposed to... Some of them were going to, to go back next week. No, they're not. So from now until the end of January, the kids are off. Uh, you can't sort of say, well, we'll give you a treat at the weekend because the treats are off. Burger King is closed and McDonald's is closed and all the various play centres are all closed and they can't do play dates, they can't see their their kids. You can't bring them to the cinema because the cinemas are closed. So there'll be a lot of very bored children home from school over the next couple of weeks. How do we keep them entertained all day? And by entertained, I don't mean trying to teach them. That, that, that That's a whole nightmare in itself. For, for parents, but how do you keep them entertained? Um, generally, the message we got yesterday from another uh, expert, or another, which is a, uh, an education expert, was that don't be putting too much pressure on yourself, but what about them? How do we work with the youngsters to keep them going over the next couple of weeks? Stella O'Mahony's parenting expert. She's been on the show before. Stella, good morning. Hi there. Difficult few weeks ahead for everybody. Um, we we can't. I got the word bribe. You know, so we can't bribe them with treats because the treats aren't there. So how do we keep them from going store crazy and and driving us mad in the process? 
I suppose in many ways lots, lots of kids will go a bit stir-crazy over the next few weeks because we've got we've no novelty that we had last year. We have no kind of... They all know what, what the school's closing means and they've been there before and they, they're not impressed, most of them. They're not. I think it would be worth talk, uh, for parents to talk to their kids this weekend before Monday starts to say, OK, now we're going to start the whole thing again. What do you think worked and what not? Um, I do think, if at all possible, to bring back the the exercise thing. There's a lot of people did Joe Wicks, or there was a few different people who followed a, a kind of an exercise um, guru from YouTube and things like that. I think, yeah, bring it back. You know what I mean? You've probably let it go since, but bring it back because you kind of have to attack the day. And so bringing in something like that um, I'd say also make sure to have some time in your brain that the kids are going to go outside. I know the weather's bad. They're still better off getting outside during the day. And if you don't, by six o'clock, they're killing each other and they're killing you. Hmm. They do need the to other get problem outside. you have as well, so many people themselves trying to work from home. So oh, the yeah. kitchen table has become an office. The front room is an office. The children's playroom, the little table in the corner that normally has toys on it, that's an office. So you're trying to work from home. Everyone is driving it. Cabin fever sets in very, very yeah. quickly. Yeah. We have the, everyone needs a bit of help here. I, yeah, it, this isn't going to be good. This isn't going to be, not for many people anyway, because it's so, so hard. It's the, I don't know, third or fourth lockdown at this stage, but certainly the second time schools are closed. It's going to be really, really hard. I'm more saying how to endure rather than saying let's pretend this is a good thing. It's going to be really hard. There are some kind of um, tactics that parents have used that have worked for, let's say, the fact that you're working at home, such as that you give them little cards and you could say, you can't interrupt me, but you have to use the card to interrupt me. Therefore, you have work to, you know, now? So let's say if they have four cards, depending on the age now, some kids are much younger and they'll interrupt constantly. But like, let's say if they're eight or ten, you might give them four cards every day. And every time they interrupt when you're working, they have to use a card. And so the, the idea is they, they produce the card. You know what I mean? Either they you know, put it under the, the door or they kind of come in with their card. And you say, yeah, you put your finger up, yeah. Okay, you've got your interruption, but you won't get it immediately. You don't get it just because you give me the card. I don't drop everything. And so they get used to coming back out, and they know that Mammy or Daddy will be out because they've used their card. But they don't get that instant gratification of, Mammy, Mammy, I want this. Daddy, I want this. Because mm. they're used to that. They're used to it. Of course they are. But they have to realise work rules is different. And mm. so the fact that they have the four cards means they can only interrupt four times. They'll probably do it more, but it'll certainly limit the relentless, unthinking, mindless interruptions that they have Ma'am. been doing. Ma'am. So you're trying to put shape. Ma'am. <laughs> yeah, that. You're trying to pull that back and you're trying to get some structure out of your brain. And you're also trying to get them the reason of, I've put in my kind of request for the interruption and mommy and daddy or daddy will be out at one point but it's not immediately. It's, it's, it's teaching in the life but, skill that not everyone will be ready when you want them. Stella, yeah. how do we make all this age appropriate? This is different yeah. for a five-year-old than it is for a 10-year-old than it is for a, a 12 or 13-year-old. How do we make it age appropriate? 
I think um, with the, the, the 10 and the 12, you should talk to them this weekend. You should ask them what, what how they think they, we should deal with it. Discuss with them how you should do the morning, how you should do the evening, whether a film in the morning or the evening is a better way to do it. Get their feedback. Don't say that they're going to get whatever they want, but certainly get their feedback of what they think works and what doesn't. The five-year-olds, the young kids, I think it's really, really hard. This whole idea of you'll be doing arts and you'll be doing bacon, maybe, maybe for some parents who like it, but yeah. an awful lot of parents have said to me they didn't like it, they hated it. They they kind of ended up shouting at the kids because they made a mess during the baking, or they hated the crafts themselves. But don't do stuff you don't. You know, you're not, you're probably not a primary school teacher of five year olds, and therefore you don't have to be. And yet we, by the way, I have to preface this all. We will be using screens way more, and it's very. I was just going to say yeah. that, 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 that there's a yeah. lot of kind of, um, I, I is it parent guilt? I, as I say, I yeah. keep saying, my, 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 I'm, I'm, out, I'm out of this phase. Thanks be to the Lord, I'm out of this phase now. But is there any harm at all in calling Peppa Pig in as a babysitter for an hour while you need to do a Zoom meeting? No, no. This is a very hard time, and yet we need to use our screens. We have them. We have, technology has given us this kind of electronic babysitter, and this is exactly the time to use it because it's hard, and a lot of mental health is suffering. A lot of families are really suffering, and it's very important that we don't tip over into serious mental health issues. And we do what we need to do so that we don't tip over. And one of them is definitely making use of, of, the, of the, uh, the advantages that electronics gives us. But making sure you're using it strategically because if, you, if, if let's say one child is on the Xbox all day and you're like, yeah, yeah, you got all that time, but they ended up losing their head at six o'clock as you knew they would because they always lose their temper when they're on it too long. Yeah. Well, that's where the parent thinks how long is it before they start becoming a bit mad? Do, do you follow me? So that you kind of you realise that certain level of hours is good for them, and certain level is bad. I'm I'm actually quite anti-screens, but not for this. I am not not for this. It's too hard. Yeah, exceptions to be made over the next couple of weeks. Stella, thank yeah. you very much for that. That's Stella O'Mahony, parenting expert on the Opinion Line on Cork ninety six FM. Have you any ideas? Um, for the next couple of weeks, like what did did you do anything last year uh, that got you through? Any idea that just occurred to you that got you through last year? And will you try to put it in uh, practice again over the next couple of weeks to keep uh, the smallies happy? And maybe not just the smallies, maybe the slightly bigger ease as well. You know, I, what would get to me, I think, where I in that position is well, we don't actually know how long this is for. We think it might be till the end of January, but we don't know. That would be the hardest part for me. Any ideas? I'd love to hear them. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. Great taken there by that story in the sports news about the Aston Villa game and the outbreak of COVID affecting the Aston Villa game. I have a reason for mentioning it because Dean Smith is the gaffer at Aston Villa and, and Dean would be a man who'd be well known well reasonably well known here in Cork because he's a former a former manager at uh, Leighton Orient and we in the Leighton Orient supporters club yes we're a small but dedicated number 
we in the Leighton Orient Supporters Club were very proud of Dean when he went uh, into manage at Aston Villa. And during the year, Dean lost his dad to COVID. Uh, so our thoughts were very much with him. So to have it now affecting the club where he's managing, it's not only is it going to be difficult for him and, and all those around him, but it's very painful for himself on a personal basis as well. So my thoughts with, with a man I haven't seen for quite a number of years, but I've met him and a hell of a nice fella. A hell of a nice guy, uh, Dean Smith Gaffer at Aston Villa. 1850-715-996, the number. The text to WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter at opinionline96 and the Cork's 96fm Facebook page. Message us there and mark it for the attention of the opinion line. Speaking of people that are in the news, um. I saw last night on social media, and I didn't like it, and, and I kicked back at it a bit, and I will continue to kick back at it a bit. Many years ago, Gayborn said, and he said it many times, that we are a nature of our nation of begrudgers, and we hate nothing more than to see one of our own hitting the headlines. And it came back to me as a very strong truth when I saw some of the kickback against the reaction to Doni, Doni O'Sullivan on CNN, the lad from Cahar Saivin, who was in the front of Capitol Hill the other night reporting on those incredible scenes. And now everybody wants to talk to, to Doni O'Sullivan. He'll be on the Late Late Show tonight, as far as I know. And last night, the little, the little pickback, the little kickback, you know, man praised for doing job kind of nonsense, kind of begrudging, biting nonsense on social media. Let it alone. He's one of our own. He's a lad from County Kerry who found himself head and centre of the biggest news story in years. And let us enjoy the fact that one of our own from this tiny little land we inhabit is up there and getting his moment in the sunshine. I'm delighted for him. We punch so far above our weight in this country, we should celebrate every single Donny O'Sullivan that's out there. And that's just my rant. If you want to take me on, feel free. Also, later on this morning, talking again about off-licenses, so we'll have some fun with that. But returning to the subject of the schools and the absolute cock-up from this year, this week. First of all, we, we knew they were going to be closed. We knew the schools would be closed until the end of January at least. And that announcement eventually came. They were tried kicking and screaming into it, but it came. Then the idea came up that they could bring the leaving search back in three days a week. And of course, they didn't bother to ask the teachers' unions, would that be okay? And they didn't bother to seek any consultation with the pupils to see would that be okay? It wasn't okay for any number of reasons. And now that won't be happening. ASTI said last evening that they will not be cooperating and that they will teach only online. And then last evening, it was all rolled back in an incredible U-turn by the government. And The other group that were supposed to come back in next week. We're in the primary sector and particularly youngsters with special needs. Now, youngsters with special needs of all ages, I guess, there was to be provision made for them. But again, the question was asked, how are you going to do that safely? And can you really do that safely? If you listen back to Dr. Scally from this morning on the programme, there isn't really any way to do it safely at the moment. But how does it affect youngsters with special needs, in particular youngsters on the spectrum, on the ASD 
spectrum. Adam Harris is the director of As I Am, uh, the autism charity. Adam, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me. Delighted to talk to you again, Adam. It's been a while. I, th- I think the important thing to stress for, for listeners who don't have a connection to special needs, indeed, or ASD, that every case is different. No two people will respond to this the same. So it's very hard. In fact, it's impossible to generalize. It is indeed impossible to generalize. But what we do have, I think, is good data. So we would have seen during the last closure period that remote work learning really just doesn't work for a certain cohort of people on the autism spectrum. And this is for a variety of reasons. Um, as, as you know, autistic people need very structured environments, need very clear routine. And obviously that's removed. And it's quite confusing when it's removed in the context of COVID for children on the autism spectrum. But not only that, obviously, autistic people think and learn and experience the world in quite a different way to other people. And all of the evidence suggests that that really can only take place with a highly skilled practitioner in a school environment. So we would have seen now during the last closure period, a huge number of children really, really suffer. And I want to be clear, this isn't just, you know, finding the lockdown period difficult. This is that autistic people develop differently to other people. And the reality is that the loss of tuition time has an impact on the child's development into the future, their quality of life into the future. We would have seen 61% of children lose key skills during the last lockdown. And that would be everything from personal care to the ability to communicate, the ability to interact with other people. And 80% of parents have told us that if this situation arose again, the only way they would manage would be if some in-school support was provided. So what is the solution at a time when we can't or can we bring them safely into classrooms? We absolutely can, and I think the announcement last night was a major mistake. Um, I think we need to be very clear on what took place. The NEFID advice at present was that children who attend special classes at schools, a very small number of children, approximately 18,000 children in the state with the greatest level of need, would be able to attend school. And this has been done right across Europe. So Ireland was actually one of the only countries in Europe during the last lockdown where we closed our special education setting. Right now, while we're talking this morning, there's disability day services open that are providing support to adults with disabilities in small groups. And there's no reason why that could not take place in special classes and schools from today. We think it's a real disappointment because families were obviously prepared for this to take place. Uh, The evidence is that it could take place and it's taking place across Europe. So what we need to do is we need to, I think there's a lot of blame game going on this morning. I think, you know, there's the department blaming the unions, the unions blaming the departments. But what I'm hearing is parents saying, it's not about that. It's we really don't know how we're going to cope. Our child has regressed so much during the last lockdown period. We don't know how we're going to manage this time. So I think, you know, there's adults meeting today in Dublin. There's stakeholders talk. And I think what we need to do is find a solution for these vulnerable children. I think there's two options. I think, first of all, we need to recognise that there's children who won't be returning to school next week. And we also need to recognise the majority of children with additional needs now attend mainstream school. And I think what we need to be looking at is what can be done on Monday morning for them. And one option might be home tuition, enabling a tutor to come into the home and work one-to-one with some of these vulnerable young people. But I think critically what we need to be looking at is how... But again, you've got a problem there, Adam, don't you, in that under our present set of restrictions, that can't happen. That's not correct because essential care is permitted and this is an essential service. When we're looking at essential services that are taking place, disability services... Well, well, would you have... Hang on now, can you... Can you have a maths grind with someone coming to the house at the moment if you're a Leaving Cert student? You can't. That's different because a Leaving Cert student is able to learn remotely. Some of these young people are unable to learn remotely. And we know that this is critical developmental time, that the time loss now will have an impact for their entire quality of life. And indeed, 
will have health impacts almost immediately for them and their families. Yeah. Pascal Donahue has been saying this morning that the government has special needs at the top of the, at top of its mind at the moment. What would you say to him? What boxes does Pascal need to take to, to deliver on what he's been saying? Well, I think it's very clear that our young people haven't been a priority during this pandemic, both in terms of our approach to education, where many young people were failed the last time, but also, indeed, since children returned to school the last time, the resources weren't there. Many really, really struggled with that return. But we have critical, highly qualified people like OT and speech and language therapies who, therapists who've still been diverted to COVID-19 activity. Now, I don't think that we can say we have time on supermarkets and off-licenses and lots of other settings are open, but it's not essential to protect clinical supports for children with the greatest level of need in our country. So I think it's really about saying that when we take a step back and we look at our performance during COVID-19, right now one of the areas that really jumps out that we haven't held our own on, that we've been an outlier in Europe in, has been support for families. And I think what's important is now that we need to engage in families. I mean, the stakeholder talks taking place in Dublin today, there's no representative voices of children with disabilities in those talks. So at the moment, families feel voiceless. And I think families need to be listened to. And it's not a case of, we'll look on the 31st of January or what can be done at that stage. What families want to hear from the government today is what support is going to be available on Monday. That's quite shocking to hear that, Adam, that there is that forum, if you want, that exchange of views going on and and that nobody from the disability sector is represented at that table or at that Zoom meeting. There's a a saying, isn't there? Nothing about us without us. Correct. I was just going to go there. Nothing about us without us. And yet there they are. You must be furious at that. I think our families really do feel voiceless, and I think what we felt last night is there was an awful lot of discussion about disability, um, and yet there was nobody there saying what their real experience is like. And I think what's unfortunate as well is the needs of our young people are being confused with the much broader point about the Leaving Cert. I think, you know, the Leaving Cert is about academic assessment. That isn't about quality of life. That isn't about, about life and death, to be honest. For autistic people, having the right support at the right time has a major impact and predictor uh, into life, into the future. And unfortunately, that's what's being lost and that's what's being missed in the discussion at present. If you'll allow me, Adam, to, to finish up briefly by personalising it a slight, just a little bit. You, you yourself ha- have autism. So put, yourse- put yourself back to a position of being 14 or 15 or maybe into leaving cert year and learning and hearing what was happening and trying to process it in your mind. So go back to being 17-year-old Adam Harris again. How would you have been feeling with next Monday morning in mind? Well, I think I would have been feeling extremely anxious. You know, I think one of the most important things to those on the spectrum is to know what's to happen. And I've been talking to families this morning who were all prepared, who prepared their young people for, right, we're going back to school on Monday. If you go to the As I Am website, we have a, a special resource to help you to do that. And now young people are having to get their head around. Not only, no, we're not going back. We don't know what's going to happen. The level of anxiety that would have caused me and that that would cause thousands of young people this morning is really significant. But if, if you don't mind, what I'm even thinking about is if I go back a little bit further, when I was maybe mm. four or five or six. and Please, please, every, please, yeah. Every day where I was having challenging behavior, where I was getting distressed, where because I wasn't able to communicate my distress, I was lashing out at my mother, where I didn't sleep for more than three or four hours a night. Um, where all of the day I needed to be occupied intensely one-to-one, but at the same time wasn't able to do a lot of the things my peers did, from tying my shoelaces to riding a bike to using the right-hand side of my body. 
And I think about the reason why I'm not in that position now is because, thankfully, because of my mother's advocacy and the great work people did with me when I was younger, I'm able to live independently. And what I'm concerned about is there's young people like me, exactly like me at that age right now, who've had nine months last year and who are set, going now into 2021 with no end in sight, where they're not getting that support. And I just think that's devastating. And I don't think that's the Ireland we want to live in in 2021. I think that's the best way to finish with you, Adam. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, PJ. That's Adam Harris from asiam.ie and he himself uh, is on the spectrum and that's how he would have been feeling if he was trying to process the news and process the changes going on around him at the moment. And that's just him. I mean, yeah, to personalise it a little bit here in Coogan Towers where I think people have sussed it out now at this stage. We are isolating at the moment. We have had close contact, all of us, and, and we are... We are isolating, um, and which is why I'm presently broadcasting from Studio 1.5. I'm fine, by the way. And thank you. I hear Fergal tells me people have been calling up asking, am I all right? I'm grand. I'm grand. I'm fine. Uh, so far, anyway, thanks, thanks very much indeed for asking. But, but our, our man, our young man, is missing his day centre so much. He's missing getting in there with his buddies and doing his music and doing his projects and, and doing the things. He, he's missing it so much. Yet other friends of his were nervous in there in the first place. So no two people are the same. And I think that's something we need to grasp ourselves this morning, looking at the special educational needs sector, which is shut down now until the end of January. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line, with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now, 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. John called in, I was talking about Donny O'Sullivan, and what I see is just awful begrudgery 
against the lad getting his moment in the sun and we shouting about it. I mentioned that Gay Bourne said Ireland was a nation of begrudgers. John tells me that that wasn't Gay Bourne said that at all. It was Brendan Behan who said it. Well, it was Gay Bourne I heard saying it. He may well have been quoting uh, Brendan Behan, but it was him saying it that stuck in my mind. But John, thank you. Thank you. Uh, the original quote, I guess, is important to know where it came from. 1850-715-996. We had Dr. Gabriel Skelly on the programme uh, to kick us off this morning. Just looking at where we are now with regard to COVID-19 and the dreadful situation in which we find ourselves here in Cork alone uh, at this uh, Friday, the 8th of January. But Dr. Uh, Skelly's message is a strong one we can get back to where we were if we do the right things in the process of that conversation which by the way we'll put up as a podcast extra very shortly in the process of that conversation we mentioned the vaccination now there's an article on the front page of the Irish Daily Mail today uh, claiming that the IT system for vaccination is not working properly and is nowhere near working properly and that already, even with the small number of vaccines doled out to this date, that people are drowning in a sea of paperwork filling out stuff in, in Biro. That's depressing to read. But the tech editor of the Irish Independent, Adrian Weckler, had a big article about this in the last couple of days about putting a system together to deliver vaccines and to use IT to deliver vaccines in a uh, systematic and and a well-organized way. Adrian, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. We knew the vaccines were... the, the The common man's argument is, well, we knew the vaccine was coming and we knew that eventually we would be uh, administering the vaccine. Is it not months ago we should have been planning for this, not, not now? Yes, it is, absolutely. You, you would have said it probably should have been from February or March of last year. Um, but unfortunately, uh, IT rollouts in particular among state agencies and departments in this country tend to run very, very, very slowly. Um, the first we heard of a meaningful bit of progress was last month when Paul Reid, head of the HSE, said that they were going to go ahead or they were minded to go ahead with a system from uh, a joint system uh, created by IBM and Salesforce. Now, I understand that that contract has been signed, but that's just one very, very small piece in a huge, huge, huge stitching together of dozens of different systems. If you take if you take your, your local GP alone, GPs in this country use four or five separate IT systems, okay? Then you've got pharmacies that have systems. You've got nursing homes, hospitals. You've government departments, the HSE. They all have to work together. And not only do they have to work together for uh, the tracking and the accounting of... Uh, vaccines, but they also have to work for things like SMS, messaging, email, air codes. Um, and that's, you know, before you get to, to something like, you know, a reliable vaccination certificate. My understanding, for example, is that there have been, even though people have been vaccinated, um, they're not yet handing out vaccination certs because they don't have the technology to actually put that together. Now, Europe is telling us that at some point, not only do we have to have vaccination certs, we should probably have some sort of um, something that could be a verifiable vaccination passport or could work in that way for travel purposes in future. But it's just very, very slow. How much of this is complicated, Adrian, by the fact that we have so many 
computers in our system in this country <clears throat> still running Windows XP, for example? It's, it, that is a factor, but it's a smaller factor than it once was. It, in fact, Windows 7 is the new Windows XP. I've written about yeah. that quite a lot. Last year, I, um, I wrote about the HSE in particular, which still had tens of thousands of computers running Windows 7. The problem there was that when you go into a hospital, for example, if you take an X, go in for an x-ray, for example, when you walk into the room, uh, you'll see a machine. You'll see it hooked up to a PC. That PC isn't doing anything else but, uh, but taking a reading from that x-ray machine. So it's not connected to the internet. So the hospital won't update that operating system from Windows 7 to Windows 10, you know, unless it absolutely has to. That's a small, that's a, a microcosm of why a lot of those computers but weren't why, updated. Why, why are they not doing that? Is it cost or, or is it just the equipment isn't, isn't up to date? It's both. It's both cost and uh, the need. So the cost, th- there is a cost there, but it, it's, it's actually more about uh, the, the hospitals, the HSE, doctors, who don't think that they need a Windows 10 computer to take the X-ray machine result, that the Windows 7 one uh, does it absolutely fine. The problem is that mindset, I've given you a specific example there, but, the, but the, that mindset is there for wider purposes, which, you know, which will be necessary for the rollout of uh, vaccine uh, certs and who, which will be necessary to talk to SMS systems and you know, GP systems and pharmacy systems. So this kind of a project, it's not unique and it's not undoable. The, the, the problem is that normally when a state agency or a huge company tries to take something like this on, they usually have about a year or 18 months to, to do it. Um, mm. Realistically, we have weeks, if not days. to. to How much of this together. is slowed up by the tendering system in, in the public sector, which can take forever to, to get toilet roll, let alone yeah. computers? I'd say some of it definitely is. For example, when Paul Reid stood up uh, last month, the middle of last month, and said, OK, we're going to go ahead and go with this IBM Salesforce uh, system, um, the, it only took about two or three weeks for the actual contract to be signed. That was a, a really advanced. Normally, it would be months for something like that uh, to, to take effect. Um, but the problem is, uh, if you say if you say that that is one of ten different elements to this whole IT system, we we're not geared up at all. Um, our, our tendering system, the way we do things normally, we're not geared up to putting something like this together quickly and it is frankly not surprising that there are people writing things down ledgers and biros you know with biros and sort of uh, oh where did I put that picture Mrs. Murphy she was vaccinated was that the last week or the week before I'm not sure I, I made a note of it somewhere and the next thing by the way we're going to have is someone will lose a laptop or a phone where they were storing this information they'll be storing it in Gmail or something they'll be emailing it to each other and then there'll be a huge um, privacy issue with that any any ideas how we might sort all those problems out? It's certainly not something we can do quickly, is it? Um, well, we could do it quickly. Quickly being defined as like we're the first week of January now. Let's say we wanted to do this by the end of January. We literally have to put it to the top of the priority list for an awful lot of people who say that they have other things on their priority list and who do have other things on the prior on, on their uh, priority list as well. The the only alternative would be to 
spend an absolutely massive amount of money uh, to, and I mean, you know, hundreds of millions or billions. And I'm sure somebody listening to this might say, well, what odds? We're already spending um, billions. We need to get this sorted. It would be an investment for our future anyway. It, it would be investment. And, and you know, the, I suppose the, the other argument for doing that would be, look, there are other parts of our public service infrastructure that we are going to have to update anyway um, you know, in, in the coming years for situations like this and most of our systems should talk together I suppose the issue is um, it's, a lot, it's like an awful lot of things in this country it's only really in a crisis that something gets moving and then a year or two later someone says well why doesn't that do why doesn't this system do that Oh, we, we, we had to get this done in a real hurry the other year when, when we were in that crisis so it's not an easy problem uh, to fix, but the basic issue of making sure that there are there is a record of who got vaccinated when and that it can be logged in a single system, um, that shouldn't be all that complicated. And yet, and yet it is by all accounts, if you're to read the papers today. Thanks, Adrian, very much for that. That's Adrian Wechter, the tech editor for the Irish Independent. Look, it's it's not very encouraging, is it? We are so behind in our IT systems in the public sector. And I won't mention any names and I won't identify where the person works, but somebody that I know who works in the public sector, uh, the one fear they have is that their laptop will develop troubles because for the entire nation, this particular public sector enterprise has two people, two people who do the laptops and they have to come from Dublin to the Cork office to examine the laptop. Compare that, I'm telling you, they have to, compare that to if my laptop sitting here in front of me in Studio 1.5 starts developing an issue. Our engineering and IT people can log into it remotely and fix it before my very eyes in minutes. So there you go. Hello to Mary uh, in Long Eaton in Nottinghamshire listening to the programme online and happy birthday my friend. Happy birthday to you. 1850 Some comments to catch up on because we've loads of them and I must say this week in particular our comment platforms have been hopping all the different comments like just starting with teachers in schools. Put the teachers on the COVID payment. You may be sure they'd be out shopping and dining if they were allowed to go out, but they won't go into an empty school. Uh, Kate wants to introduce vaccine COVID passports as soon as possible. They have it for dogs, so it can't be that hard. Well, if you listen to Adrian Wechler, Kate, the number of different uh, issues with the IT system it doesn't read well. On parenting and children and keeping the kids at home and keeping the kids entertained, we live in Belgooli, Kilsale, all the kids are out playing together since the schools were closed. It's really difficult as a parent to keep your kid inside when all the others are out and playing and yours can see them. There needs to be a specific directive from the government and HSE saying the schools are closed because we don't want the children mixing. But, parent, that's why the schools are closed. They're closed because we don't want the children mixing. 
And it's up to each and every one of us as parents to keep them in. And I'm talking to you right now. If your children are across on the green playing football with the ones from around the corner or out skating on the ice with the ones from the... You're part of the problem. Bring them in. They're not supposed to be out. We're all supposed to be at home. On Reva's daughter's situation, where her daughter's Facebook page has been taken over by some gouger in in Barbados or Jamaica or somewhere, and he wants money. And Reva's very upset about it. She put on me, that lady's right not to pay the guy to release the page. No guarantee he'd release it anyway after getting the money and just asking for more, says Jer. Lots more. And also Steve commented on that as well to say he's heard of it happening to other people. Uh, and and uh, that, that, you know, we do not pay money to them and Facebook need to do more for people who are affected by this. On keeping the children entertained, Maria says, teach them to cook, teach them to clean, colouring, crochet, chopping wood, doing puzzles, knitting, baking, biscuits, reading together, yoga, walking. My kids are loving it. They help make the dinner. They plan the menu for the week. Everybody picks a dish and we all prepare it with the kids choosing it. Little Miss Ray of Sunshine on Twitter says, what about jigsaw puzzles? They kept me entertained in the last lockdown. Mags makes a point of getting out every evening for a walk to give their lads a chance to burn off some energy. They love it, and as long as you're within your 5k, it's more than more than allowed. With regard to homeschooling, we did what we could and we did no more. This time around, the same will be applied here. Laura, I think Laura's tongue is stuffed well into her cheek. Get them to do the ironing, the washing up, the vacuuming, and get them <laughs> to clean the chimney. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six on IT. Listening to you there about the system. I'm working for the HSE right now. This minute, I'm on my way up to the stores in my hospital. I have a requisition for two boxes of gloves. I'll give the docket to the storeman. He'll gather the order. He then has to get it signed off by his manager, who will in turn contact my manager, and they will tell me that my order is ready. Like that kind of BS in 2021 for two boxes of rubber gloves. Yesterday morning I was talking actually about checkpoints and asking people had they seen any checkpoints. As I said to you, my commute at the moment is basically down the stairs and through the kitchen, so so, so I'm not on the road. I'm not seeing checkpoints. But I get a couple of emails from people who said, yeah, they had a checkpoint here. I think there was one in Shannon, and there was one out the Commons Road yesterday. There are some checkpoints making sure that people are going about their business in a legitimate and that the business they're going around is essential. And that's good to see. 1850 just tweeted a picture of one woman and her dog, Mary and Ollie. Uh, Ollie is an adorable little fella. We've just tweeted it on the Opinion Line Twitter. We, we wouldn't normally do missing doggy stories because you could be doing them all day, every day. You could devote one day a week to missing doggy stories. But every so often, one jumps up and says, you know what, we have to do this one. Annette, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Um, tell me about your mum and Ollie. Um, my mum's dog, Ollie, went missing on Sunday on a walk on the farm in Ovens. And we've tried Facebook, made contacts, put up posters, and there's no sign of him. Um, we're afraid that that somebody may have bought him by mistake. Um, it can happen, and we're just... My mum my is heartbroken. Um, she lives on her own. She's 90 this year. And he's her whole life. And 
she hasn't slept since he's gone missing and she's just heartbroken. Yeah. Describe him for me. He's a cute little fella. He's gorgeous, yeah. He's a he's a jug. So he's half Pogue, half Jack Russell. Right. And they all kind of look the same, but he's got a bit of a cone head. A lot of their heads are very flat. Um, yeah. But he he is a white chest. Um, his little uh, nails are black and some of them they're white. And he's just gorgeous, friendly, smiling eyes. Yeah, he has those beautiful eyes that Pogues have. He has, he has, yeah. He's three years old and he's quite, he's not heavy, but he's a strong, he's a strong dog. Yeah, yeah. And he wandered off while out on his walk, did he? He did, yeah, which wouldn't be unusual because the farm is, you know, large and they would chase rabbits and, you know, just hunting after birds or anything that moves. Um, And he just didn't come back. Now, we are also fearful that he may have gone down a rabbit hole or... Um, you know, fallen into a hole. We've yeah. searched every inch of the farm by foot and very kindly David, a neighbour in ovens, came out with a drone yesterday and we surveyed the entire farm and neighbouring farm and no sightings. That's that's desperately worrying and it's been mm. it's been a few days now and it's really and, and particularly seeing as he's half Jack Russell, they they're homers. They will, they, are. they will they will search for home. They're amazing little dogs that way. That's right. Um, yeah. Your mum, like you said, she's she's struggling with this big time. She is because um, she lives on her own, and I suppose given her age and COVID at the moment, and being very isolated, um, having a companion at home with you twenty four hours a day is crucial. And she feels safe with him. He's her whole life. You know, he's never away from you. He's either at her feet or up on her lap. She sits down in the evening to watch television in front of the fire and he's on her lap. So He's her company. He is. And at a time when she is, for for everyone's, for her own benefit, and you guys are probably staying well away from her too, for her benefit, to to, to miss that one little four-legged tail-wagging little divil I cannot imagine what it must be like for her. That's it, yeah. She's absolutely heartbroken. She hasn't slept since um, since Sunday, and she's just just devastated. Yeah. You've little ones yourself at home. Are they helping to find or to try to find Granny's dog? Oh, they are. I mean, everybody has been absolutely wonderful. I have four children, and they're all, you know, searching, and I'm not really good on technology, so they were helping me with Facebook and neighbours, friends the amount of you know suggestions that have been made by people it's just it's 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 heartwarming to see in our community and um everybody is trying but i suppose we would just ask people to keep an eye out and you know i know that people can buy dogs by mistake and there are a lot of dogs being stolen we don't know and we hope that he hasn't been been stolen um but if people could just keep an eye out and sometimes we, we were talking to the to the dogs home people during the last lockdown and the one before, and, and you're right, there was a raft of thefts mm-hmm. of little dogs and, and, and unscrupulous people yes. selling them. How, how is she getting on day to day now? She's, she's fine. I mean, she's a very strong person. She's chosen to live on her own. Um, you know, my brother lives just behind her on the farm and my sister is there most days. Um, not obviously as much in COVID, but um, mm. she's just she's just... Absolutely, you know, she's putting on a brave face, but she's been crying and she's not sleeping. Yeah. So, how is she feeling about COVID? Is that worrying her? 
it's a, it's a big worry for her, yeah. And she's been very compliant. She stayed she stayed in indoors, and when we visit, it's two meters. We generally just stay out in the garden, and even in this cold weather, we keep How's our her distance. Health? Her health is very good. She's amazing. She yeah. she does she has an exercise routine at home every day, and she's very strong and fit, and um, mentally fantastic. Thank God. And ninety but this she's year. She's feeling even yeah. though you're all around her and you're all within touching distance. I guess. Not that you're touching anybody at the moment, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is her very special little companion, and she's desperately isolated without him. It is. I'm afraid while we, while she has three children that she adores, we're we're only sec- in second place to this little guy. So, yeah. um, he's with her 24 hours. Um, he, she, she he's just the love of her life. He she she said she's had dogs all her life, and he's the dog. <laughs> People shouldn't have favorites, but she said he's the one that she loves the most. He's just an extremely friendly, um, kind dog. He just spends his days gazing into her eyes. Mm, and yeah. he's just gorgeous. I know. Well, look, our thoughts are with her and with you. And here's hoping that Ollie will just turn up. Jack Russell's, and he's half Jack Russell, you know yourself, they're homers. They, yeah. they will look for home and try to get home. And even if he has been taken somewhere, uh, they're, disp- they're, they're incredible little fellas to, to find home. So, so, so there is hope there, and, there is. and we put pictures up, and we'll share the hell out of it. And all the social media has him, and he's a he's a gorgeous little lad. And I really do hope yep. that he that he shows up safe and well. Listen, thank you for that, and and our best to your mom, Annette. And uh, PJ, could I just ask you if any of your listeners know of anybody that has a sniffer dog or something like that, just in case that he has gone down a hole in the farm or in a burrow? Um, I was making inquiries yesterday. I know it's yeah. a dog again, and people don't just put the same merit on that as they would for a human search and rescue they don't. but it's they don't, so but exceptional they should, in this case they, 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 should. they should because this is like her child and um yeah. i don't know if there are thermal imaging cameras or something if anybody can help has any suggestions we would be so grateful okay okay all right Annette. thank you very much for that uh, he's a jug is ollie which is a kind of a cross between a a pug and a Jack Russell, you'll see the pictures on our Facebook page. He's a gorgeous little fella. And before anyone starts thinking, Ash, aren't his only a dog? Anybody who thinks it's only a dog has never had a dog. I've spoken here many, many times about when, when lockdown gets hard and when lockdown gets boring and dull and when you're sitting looking out at crappy weather and you'd rather be out on a beautiful day like this, for example, you'd rather be out and go for a spin and, and do all those things, and you can't. When lockdown gets hard in, in our house, I can only speak for our own house, it is the dogs, or the cats too, but the dogs. It's the dogs who make us laugh. When nothing else is making us laugh, the dogs make us laugh. And I, I feel so much for Mary at the moment, and I really hope that Ollie is found safe and well. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1850-715-996 is the number to call. The text to WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Follow us on Twitter at opinionline96. The hashtag is ol 96 and contact us at any time through the Corks 96 FM Facebook page. Uh, address your message, please, for the attention 
of the opinion line. If you're one of the people who picks up our podcast every day, a reminder to you, or if indeed you haven't picked it up and they want to catch up on any element of the show that you might have missed, our podcast is usually online between about 2 and 3 in the afternoon. Uh, you'll find a tweet first with the link in it and then it'll go eventually to the Cork's 96FM app and you'll find it there under podcasts or indeed any platform at all that you get your podcasts from. Uh, that podcast goes up, as I say, around the mid-afternoon. Then we do podcast extras from time to time, individual podcasts of parts of the show that we feel you might want to hear again. We've done one this morning with Dr. Gabriel Scally. That's up and running right now if you want to listen back. But I would ask you to stay around till 12 o'clock and listen back just then. 1850-715-996. We were talking about special needs education and how every individual child is different uh, in that particular scenario. Nicole Duggan from My Boy Blue, you know her from Instagram, and she's been on the show as well with me many times. She can't come on with us today because uh, Riley's having an, an online therapy session. But she said this will have a huge impact on so many children. I wouldn't have been sending Riley in because the numbers are too high, but I think the wrong people, says Nicole, are being blamed here too. Teachers and SNAs were thrown to the wolves by Norma Foley and the department. It should never have been announced without consulting the relevant bodies to ensure that it could go ahead. And that, I think, is what really uh, is, is the, was the big mistake this week, the big cock-up of, of monumental proportions, that they made an announcement about special needs education and, indeed, about the Leaving Cert, but they made an announcement without checking, without asking anybody, actually, A, can this be done, and B, are you willing to do it? They, they just went out and... and, and you know yourself. Actually, <laughs> a couple of topics all rolled into one uh, on this uh, on this program this morning. From John, thanks, John, for this. First of all, the kids out playing, they're okay. They're not in prison. Okay. As for Reva, just keep her daughter off Facebook. Uh, her daughter's twenty-two and an adult, John. And what's the big deal about Donny? He's doing his job, says John. John, I suggest when you put, make your next cup of tea, you put sugar in it rather than salt. Okay. <laughs> Sweeten up a small bit, pal. Sweeten up a small little bit. You're up on your high horse, says this one, about the hoops that people in the public sector have to jump through to get basic jobs done. That's in response to the guy who said he just needed two boxes of rubber gloves. And he said, he's a healthcare or a health system worker, he said he'll give a docket to the storeman who will file the order, get it signed off by his manager, who will then contact this guy's manager, who will then contact our caller to say the order is ready for two boxes of gloves. In response to what I said about that, you're up on your high horse about the hoops that people in the public sector have to jump through to get basic jobs done. That's because everything in the public sector has to be accountable. If this time next year a report came out saying a million euro worth of rubber gloves were used in the tax office, you'd be the first one shouting that the waste in the public sector is disgraceful, running with the hare and running with the hounds. My only response to that is, I work in the private sector where everything has to be accounted for too. But you can account for something in five minutes and you can account for something in five days or five hours. That is the point. Accountability does not need to be slow. Can we not get that through our thick heads? 
1850 Now, the subject of off-licenses came up on the show during the week many times as we moved into the tougher set of restrictions which we, with which we must now live for the, the next few weeks at the very, very least. And when it started, the usual messages began to come in uh, saying that the off-licenses should be closed. There's one or two of them down this morning. I, I, they're too far down the page to find. Actually, Fergal, if you can find, there was one or two about off-licenses uh, down on the, the comment section. If you can pull them up to the top, I'll be able to use them. Uh, people were saying oh, that the off-licenses should be closed right, uh, to, to curb the problem with drink. Because we know, look, when people have alcohol taken, their, their inhibitions go down and they get closer to people than they should. We know all that. We know all that. But Leo Varadkar has also suggested in the last 24 stroke 48 hours that opening hours in the off-licenses might be cut back. At the moment, they all close at 10 o'clock. He's suggesting that maybe now it's time to look at the off-license situation and cut the hours back from 10 o'clock until maybe 6 or 7 or 8. I think they did that in the north, actually, for this for this lockdown up there. On the takeaway points issue, Michal Martin, during his briefing, uh, earlier in the week, announcing the new restrictions, said that, I think the words he used were, there should be no pub now, he said. There should be no pub selling takeaway points. Well, sure, of course there shouldn't. We we did hear, by the way, in the last 24 hours, there's one pub in Cork is doing takeaway points still. One we know of. We're not going to use the name. We're not going to get into the name and shame nonsense. But because it's not illegal, they can if they want to. But no one should be, says, says Michal Martin. Leo was saying that, well, you can't actually ban it legally. That's according to Leo. You can't actually ban it legally. But coming back to the off-licenses, the contention has been from those who work on the front line uh, with, with drink and, and problems related to drink that it might cause more problems than it would solve to actually shut them down. Let us catch up with our go-to man on all of these things, Michael Gearan from Coonavera. Michael, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Is that your view as someone who works on the front line with people affected by drink and their families? Would it cause more problems than it would solve to just, as some people say, shut them down? Yes. Um, first of all, I don't think that necessarily prohibiting alcohol from the point of view of controlling the pandemic at this stage would be of any great advantage. Um, there probably were issues. I mean, Tony Holohan said last night in his briefing that um, the virus loves alcohol and there was probably with the increased consumption over the holiday season it may have contributed to the spread that has now led us to the catastrophic position that we're in um, but I'm not so sure that closing a simple oversimplified solution like closing off licences at this point in time would make any difference because there is a high likelihood that the public would react badly to such a prohibition um, mm. and feel very aggrieved by it. I'm now, also, I get comments in every day from people, Michael, who I think would probably welcome it. it, it, it but that's not, a, that's not a nuanced view, is it? No, um, generally speaking, prohibition of anything doesn't work. Um, and, and, and it causes um, underground or, or illicit activity in, in something of that nature. So we would probably be better off at this stage. And this now is speaking in terms of the non-addicted cohort of society that if we could get people to embrace the spirit of the lockdown in the way that they did last March and April, rather than doing things like curtailing the opening hours of off-licenses and that kind of thing, because really and truly what Leo was proposing, and I can see why he would do it, but you would simply have a bottleneck in the off-licenses before 6pm, pardon the pun, 
Um, it wasn't meant that way. Um, but you would see more people congregating at a time when the opening hours are constricted. Um, in relation to people who might have an alcohol problem, um, there would be distinct issues with somebody who was drinking heavily and regularly if their alcohol supply was cut because alcohol is quite a dangerous substance to withdraw from. And I know that wouldn't apply to the majority of the population, thankfully. But if somebody who was drinking heavily over a prolonged period were to stop abruptly, um, there is quite a, a, a good possibility that person may have an adverse outcome as a result of that abrupt, abrupt withdrawal and like medical services and stuff are at a premium at the moment so it would be difficult for them to get attention um, mm. so th- these are reasons why I think we would be far better off at this stage I think a lot of the harm that was done because of alcohol consumption in terms of COVID spread is probably done at this stage and we would be far better off encouraging people to embrace the spirit of what's happening at the moment rather than engaging in any prohibitive measures. Now, I suppose you do have to admit that, well, when you can go to the off-license, you can buy a box of 20 bottles of beer for, for 20 quid or whatever else, you know, and house parties will flourish and, and, and in, under that kind of thing you get cheap drink and you, ha- you can have a house party we can't deny Michael that it is going on oh it's absolutely going on and one of the problems we have had for alcohol way before COVID was the fact that alcohol is too cheap um, when it's bought um, when it's on promotion and when you can buy you can buy ridiculously high amounts of pure alcohol for small amounts of money in multiple retailers so we are we are seeing COVID I suppose has highlighted that in that respect that there was a lot of drinking going on in dynamics like house parties and private homes and that yeah. I, I was recounting to listeners yesterday Michael a call that we took here uh, in the height of the first lockdown um, and we had a lot of drinking people having drinking parties out around the lock in, in the beautiful weather in spring and, and places like that. I remember a call we took and I recounted it yesterday of a woman who was literally weeping and sobbing on the phone and her words were Michael, she said, if they close the off licences he will kill me. We have to take that into account. Yes, that is absolutely the case and there are people who would react very badly to alcohol supply being cut. And as, as that lady who you've spoken about, she was very fearful of the fact that off-licenses might have been closed and that that person to whom she referred may not have access um, to what they wanted, basically. And, and another that, that is one aspect, the whole um, living with somebody who would be without drink. But there is, without, and I've no medical expertise, but I do know that somebody who might stop drinking abruptly who had an alcohol abuse habit or pattern, um, there could be very grave medical complications of of that happening to somebody. So that needs to be taken into account as well. Let me read you a message from Jim that came in. Thanks, Fergal, for bringing it back up to the top of the page. You were talking earlier, says Jim, about ignoring Neffet. Tony Holohan has now come out and explained how drink is part of the problem. The bull needs to be taken by the horns now and restrictions or bans put on off-licence sales. Here's the key line, Michael. The wishes of the alcoholic cannot be paramount here because we'll be looking at three and a half years of lockdown at this rate. The, the, uh, people have been saying to me during the week that the wishes of the alcoholic cannot be paramount. We have to say to alcoholics, tough, get sorted. Can you do that? 
No, and I, I mean, there aren't great opportunities at the moment, given the level of restrictions for anybody with an alcohol abuse issue to get any help. Um, because residential centres like ourselves are on reduced capacity because of social distancing. There is no Alcoholics Anonymous we're talking about. Um, and and, and community-based services are also gone into lockdown um, in an effort to protect their own staff from being infected by the virus. So certainly in comparison to, say, 12 months ago when we were in normal times, there were ample opportunities for people who had issues to get help that are not there at the moment. And it is a very serious situation when somebody has an alcohol abuse issue. Um, and they, they, it, we need to remember one thing about alcoholism. Alcoholics do not drink because they don't want to stop. They drink because they can't stop in the active phase. So it is not as simple unfortunately, as us, as the, the government making a decision to close off licences completely and the pubs are closed as well and then restricting a pl- supply because there will be a small number of people who are al- actively alcohol dependent who will end up in trouble over that. And really and truly, if these people were to be seeking admission to acute hospitals because of that and they would get that ill enough in that situation, that would be far from ideal as well. Okay, Michael, I'll leave it there with you for today. Thank you very much, as always, for coming on the show. That's Michael Gearan uh, from Coonwira. And I'm sorry, there are very few people that come on this programme, and I always say, well, in my mind, their word is law. If Michael Gearan says closing the off-licences would be the wrong thing to do, then I'm telling you, closing the off-licences would be the wrong thing to do. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 On Cork's 96FM. In the run-up to Christmas, uh, we took a number of calls here on the programme and we were trying to sort things out in the background for people and trying to liaise back and forward with uh, local authorities for people who had heating and plumbing difficulties, but particularly heating difficulties in the run-up to Christmas. Uh, Sean, when did your heating go go down? Good morning Uh, to you. Good morning. On the 20th of December. Okay, Wayne, could you boost that line just a small bit for me, if you would, please? The 28th of December, your heating went down? Yeah. Okay. And we rang in on the emergency number, which goes to the fire station, uh, around 4.30. We reported it. Now, I know what time of year it was. I knew things were going to be busy. So, you know, you're expecting a couple of days before you get uh, anyone coming back to you. But... We reported it each day just to make sure that it was kept on top and that the report was fresh going in. We also discovered uh, um, during that time that the immersion for the hot water wasn't working either. Oh, God. Um, and that are the only two ways we can heat water in the house. Right. So, and of course, you've no heating system either. No heating system, no electric immersion, therefore no hot water. What was it like last night, say? Uh, well, we ha- 
have Helen's father, Stemmeris. Uh, he's 83. Uh, he was in hospital last March. When he came out, he wasn't able to take care of himself. And uh, so we were set up here. We took him in here with us. Um, through the help as well of the city hall to allow that to happen. And so we're trying to keep him warm. Um, keep the fire going to keep us warm yeah. and uh, the dogs try and keep us warm then at night so God. you sent a timeline into us of, yeah. of your contacts with, with the council and I, someone did come out did they? they did uh, two lads came out from the corporation themselves um, which will be which eventually will be their, the way of doing things I can't remember exactly what day it was now and they were very nice. They said, look, it's probably the main board that was gone, that they would escalate the call to get us off the road as quickly as problem because we have also no hot water. So, and we were still waiting. Um, eventually, we had an electrician come out to disconnect the, um, the immersion in the cylinder so that a plumber could come out the next day from the corporation to remove it and replace it with the new one that was there and that he would be, the electrician would come back again to wire that up so at least we could have hot water. Yeah. That didn't happen. So it's disconnected, it's sitting there and each day we ring them once, if not twice, keep putting in the report. Hmm. Day six, day seven, day eight and it's just going on and on. Wow. And now the 27th will be two weeks Sunday. That's mm. that's when the system went down. Yep. The house must be bone cold at this stage. Yep. When you get up in the morning, it's like an iceberg. Uh, so, you know, you plug in heaters, you get the fire going, you have a bit of breakfast, try and get the house work done, warm up, and... Try and carry on as normal, but you can't go out, you can't do anything in case the corporation decides to call to the door mm. or the contractor decides to call to the door. You don't know when they're going to come. And you have an elderly sick man in the house yes, we do. who is on oxygen. He's on oxygen. Um, and they're aware of this, of course. Yep, they have been made aware of all those uh, details as well. Mm. I think you were in touch with, with Councillor Ken O'Flynn, were you? I was indeed, yeah. And it was uh, after speaking with Ken that uh, we had the electrician of it, if I remember correctly. So, and he's after forwarding on emails and stuff. But you know, only he can he can only do so much. And you know, mm. yeah. this this was our next step was to make it more public and maybe that might wake them up a little bit well, well, well hopefully hopefully if they're listening if they are listening inside in city hall right now we know that they do yeah um they might say they, they might say they wouldn't but they do they know what 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 trouble is is he stirring up there again coogan um but but seriously sean if anyone is listening with the power to pick up the phone and get something done what do you want them to do Tractor out that it can fit the part that he need that's needed to be fitted to the heating system. That that's going again. That we can have a wash 
that we can clean, that we can be sterile for as best as possible, especially with pa- with um, Paddy in the house, Helen's father. You know, for his sake, um, I actually talk this week off of work. I'm going back to work on Monday. Um, so I'm going to be out. I'm going to be in and out of shops. I'm going to be in situations. Uh, I'm out there front line. You're, you're not even able to have a have a proper wash and shave? Nope. You, you boil a kettle, would you, I presume, to for, shave yourself? For a shave, yep. Yeah. Boil a kettle. Um, try and wash yourself down a bit, but you know it's it's not the same. It's not going to be oh, nothing like getting it. in the shower. Is Helen there the with bath. you? Uh, two seconds, my yeah. This is the lady whose dad is staying with him, uh, Sean's wife, Helen, uh, and and Paddy, who's eighty-three. Bear this in mind: he's eighty-three. He's seriously ill. He's on oxygen. He's not able to live alone. So that alone is a worry for them. Hello. And uh, Helen, how are you? Not too bad. How's, how's your dad? He, he's, he's okay. He's um, freezing cold now. He's the only one really that has a major rad in the room to keep him warm because of needing the oxygen. His body is fighting a lot more to keep heat in his body. How are you keeping him warm? Uh, we have a plug-in rad. He's wearing gloves, jumpers, you name it. He has it on, blankets, whatever, just to keep him uh from trying to keep up his oxygen levels to keep him warm. You must be desperately worried. I am, because, I mean, at the end of the day, this is COVID. We cannot sterilise the room the way we should be able to, or the bathroom, or anything that he's touching, or we're touching. And as Sean said, he's out in the, the front line. He comes in from his job, and he won't be able to be washed properly either. I mean, we're boiling kettles, filling sinks, we're doing everything that we can because you cannot go into people's houses either to say, you know, if a normal time you'd go and you'd get a shower somebody else's house. But now, because my dad is cocooning, we would be afraid to go into other people's houses because we might bring something back and we have no way of sterilizing. You can't do it anyway these days. Yeah, yeah, you can't do it. Yeah, because I mean, okay, you might be able to have, and they're, we're still allowed to have a support bubble. You might have a kindly neighbour yeah. who'd let you use a shower, but not with Paddy in the house. Not with Paddy, no. Not with Paddy, because we would be afraid that we'd bring something back to him, or vice versa. Plus, on top of that, I mean, it would be so on uh, very hard to get him to another place, because now he does have portable oxygen and everything else. But, I mean, you're bringing him out into the cold, then getting him into the heat, going out into the cold and back in here, and that's not good for him either. He'd catch a chill? Yes, he would, yeah. And he's already had pneumonia and sepsis last March, which we nearly lost him. And we're trying to keep him there now, and this isn't helping. No, it's not. This is no. this is nothing, nothing like... Good enough. No. At all. no. No. Helen, all I can do is wish you well. Um, as we always do with these things, uh, yeah. we we will sort of raise it with them, and yeah. what we'll probably get back is well, we can't comment on individual I cases, etc., etc. But you're not an individual ca- individual case yeah. at this stage now. I think you're the, about the fourth case that has come into mind for me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, even if we just got our water back, our hot water, that we can sterilise things and clean ourselves properly, would be great. 
All right. Listen, Helen, look after look after your dad as I'm sure you are as best you yeah. can. And to, to you and Sean, I wish you well. And thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you. That that that's that's that. They've had no heating and no hot, and no hot water and no heating since the 28th of December. They've had visits from from council people who who escalated the situation, but at the moment, coming up to two weeks on Sunday, they have no heating. They have no hot water. They are using a boil kettle to to wash and shave. They have an 83-year-old man in the house with the only electric rad they have trying to keep him warm. He is on oxygen, which means he has to work harder to stay warm. That is no existence for anyone, let alone the tenant of a local authority to be in. And yes, the council will say, oh, we can't comment on individual cases, but there's this one. And then there was the, the other case of Mary, who I spoke to before Christmas, lives at a moment Churchfield. They had similar issues with the heating, believe it or not. You'll believe it. Mary is still trying to get that sorted out. Again, people have been out to look at it. A new rad went in, but it didn't solve the problem. Terry is keeping in constant contact with Mary. Remember, we also spoke with Sam. Sam's issues were different. They were damp, uh, and and she had mould and mushrooms and all kind of stuff in her house. I don't think Sam has been sorted out yet. And do you remember Tom? Remember lovely Tom? who came on at me one morning, he had a heating an, uh, issue, a leaking a leaking rad. Uh, Tom, I don't believe, is, is sorted out yet. I was thinking of Tom, actually, this morning, because today is... You remember when Tom came on, we, we chatted about the problem, and then Tom sort of went down another track with his loneliness, because Tom was widowed not so long ago. And we talked about um, his love of the music of Elvis Presley, and we had a little bit of a laugh out of it, but on a very sad note, you'll remember Tom told me that, that Tom has a room in the house, his Elvis room, and he won't go in there. He can't bring himself to go in there since since his wife passed away. I was thinking of Tom this morning because today is Elvis Presley's birthday. Elvis would have been 85 today had he, had he been around. Still, he passed away in 1977, of course. So I was thinking of Tom this morning, and I hope, Tom, if you're listening, my friend, I hope that you manage to bring yourself to go in and listen to music over Christmas and New Year. But this is not individual cases now. This is a slew of cases coming into us uh, of neglect. And that's what it is. People, council tenants, who cannot get heating and plumbing and hot water sorted out on what is headed for. And there is a, a yellow weather alert now for the coldest night of the year ahead. And I don't care. Look, they don't like me saying this in City Hall. I don't care. This is a public disgrace. So thinking in terms of Tom uh, and, and and Mary and Helen and all those people left, uh, neglected by the council. Jackie says, I moved in a few weeks ago to a house. I gave them two weeks notice. I still have no water. Just the dribble of an emergency supply. Council are no good at maintenance. Mary and Blarney is outraged. She said it's appalling that the council leaves that vulnerable man in that position. I am absolutely outraged, he said. Getting back to COVID and the borders, and again, our podcast extra of Dr. Gabriel Scally is available to you now on all the platforms. Great to hear Dr. Scally laying down the blame for the third wave on the government who left our borders wide open 
and allowed the influx of people home for Christmas. Now we've got to listen to our political muppets telling us the numbers are our failures for having a Christmas. Be assured they cause another lockdown yet. Well, we're in it now. Such a sorry country being run by people who've proven that they don't care. Thanks from Sean in uh, Coachford. Well, whether people were travelling in and out or not, if anyone acted irresponsibly over the Christmas, they too are, are part of the problem. But I do get where you're coming from. 1850-715-996. Now, We've heard so much about people in nursing homes since the very start of this, the colossal numbers who died in nursing homes and care homes in the first wave. That was such a massive tragedy. And one day soon, and I'm telling you this, one day soon, there will have to be an inquiry, a proper inquiry, into how that was let happen in the first place. And and when those questions are answered and those answers are demanded, people will ask, well, why, how, who was responsible for letting COVID into the nursing homes in the first place? Who Someone will be answerable. Someone needs to be answerable for that. When they knew it was out there, how did they get in? That's one element of the nursing homes. The second element, of course, of the nursing homes is that now they're first on the list, after all the healthcare workers, they're first on the list to get vaccines. And they're already being administered. The lovely pictures in the newspapers on the television news last night of people in nursing homes getting getting their uh, vaccines and you know what you wouldn't begrudge it to any of them they're the most vulnerable and they're the first line for vaccines besides the doctors and nurses of course they need them another lovely venture or idea has come up every resident of a nursing and care home in the country is to get a copy of a little book it's a lovely idea uh, from our good friend uh, bb baskin and it's talking it next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 On Cork's 96FM. So, a couple of years ago, B.B. Uh, Baskin started doing little videos uh, on her phone uh, at, at the crack of dawn in, in the beautiful gardens by her, ho- her house, which is down there near Fountainstown. Uh, little videos, little motivational videos, 30, 40 seconds at the crack of dawn. It led eventually to a book of quotes and words of wisdom that came out this time last year. Bibi spent most of the lockdown time in the last 12 months or so writing her second book, which is called Bibi's Happy Book. And that came out before Christmas. I got my own copy. Delighted to get it. But now, uh, come up with an idea, has Bibi, to send a copy of this book to every nursing home resident in the country. Bibi, good morning. Well, good morning, Asada. Always lovely to be on Cork 96. Delighted to have you on, Carla. Get a little bit back from the phone a small, but you're, you're a tiny bit close to it. First of all, right. tell me about the, the Happy Book. Well, the Happy Book, as you said there, PJ, it was started during the first lockdown. Am I sounding a bit better now? I'm a bit more awake. A bit awake. better now is good, yeah. yeah. Good. Um, and it was really, I suppose, it's pursuing a goal that each and every one of us would pursue at some level. Uh, that is the pursuit of happiness. But finding it, is a whole other story and discovering how to find it and then practicing those techniques and habits and tips 
it's another story again, another layer of being a student and giving yourself a little bit of self-care. So lockdown kind of lent itself to self-care. And I thought, I always thought, you know, PJ, this thing, this COVID, this isn't going to be over anytime soon. I just felt that myself and I'm no expert. So I thought people are going to need a little bit of a boost sooner or later. I didn't think it would be this late, but there it is. Hence the happy book published by uh, a company you probably know very well, the number one media group here in Cork, the great little publishing house, and getting more and more into publishing now these days. They have digital magazines, and at Mm. the moment specialising in pocketbooks. And that's why I'm there. Yeah. Uh, The the content of it, it's just little distractions from the world around us. And they don't take too long to read, and you can pick one up and put it down again. That was the idea, wasn't it? That was the whole idea. Because one thing that I learned now many years ago in television uh, days, and that is a long time ago, is that the concentration span of everyone has shrunk. Like, if you were as old as I am, and you just sit on a sofa and actually get up to press the telly to change the station, you know, you Mm. stayed with the one program, and your concentration span was fairly good. But with the remote coming in, it shrunk. Then with, with everything so immediate online, it shrunk again. And that's why I like the idea of a very short little sentence for each of the techniques, that if you practice will for sure increase your happiness. Hmm. Since the start of this, uh, through your little videos in the morning, and indeed, I suppose, the first book, which didn't anticipate COVID, but you could still use it, you said to me many times, try to, for at least a half an hour of every day, try to get away, as far away as possible, from the world of COVID-19. And when we're locked in our houses, that's very hard to do, but we still need to try. You do, absolutely. And I don't think it's that hard to do. For example, when I used to be out on the road giving the motivational talks, one of the things that I would advise is that if you're living in a house where there's a box room, you know, the little room that everybody throws the junk into, basically, and it never gets cleaned out, turn that into something different, like a meditation room or a prayer room or just a wee room you can go to to get away from all the negativity and think cheerful, happy thoughts. So find your place. I'm going to be writing about that shortly. PJ, I don't know if you know or not, but just on Monday this week, I launched an online Facebook group mm-hmm. called Being I, I was about to, I was about to get oh, to that, and, and, and I will. Yes, I will. But I want to talk first of all about getting the book out to the nursing homes. Where did oh, that well, idea come from? That's far more important. That actually came from the genius that is Michael Mulcahy, a man you know well Mm. and your listeners too. Michael just thought something like this. My God, what can we do about nursing homes? Because there's been such a lot of worry around them. And residents and their families and their staff have been so full of fear and almost quite sad at times. So immediately Michael thought, now nursing homes, if we could only do something there. But according to his research, there are about, I think he said it was around 400 nursing homes in all of Ireland. So that would be a huge thing to get that done. For that reason, he thought to ask a local business company that's within the community of the particular nursing home, as they would like to sponsor this venture. So in other words, if you're maybe, let's say, I don't know, a supermarket, 
or a pharmacist or anything else for that matter, uh, and there's a nursing or care home in your community, you would automatically know those residents and their families and their relatives and friends. So it, it kind of creates a greater sense of community as well. So that's where we're at at the moment. So the, 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 the deliveries will be sponsored up and down the country, which is, which is fabulous to see. Yeah, we hope so. We're only starting it now. Launched, it was launched this week on Monday. Okay. Yeah. Let us go to the happy place then, Bibi, because before all of this hit us, you were developing quite a business for yourself as a motivational speaker, and I'd attended one or two of them, and, and you, you have this aura around you. I think, but does it come from you yourself and your own inner peace, which we know is very high, or does it come from your time in India, where, where if you don't learn to relax in India, you won't learn to relax anywhere in the world? Well, you are absolutely right there. And I know you've been to India. We've talked about it, and I've always enjoyed your crazy stories. Yeah, India was... I was on the search before I went. I've been on the search for a greater, calmer, more peaceful and happier life for about 30 years. So I started all my study before India. But doing a start-up in India, developing country, uh, with no previous business experience, well, that knocked any effort out of me that I might have had, or most of it anyway. It really did uh, calm me down, make me rethink things, and really reevaluate priorities in life. Uh, and they're still with me, and I value them very much. And that's what I like to try to pass on in the motivational talks. But then, like so many people... The month of March saw the end of them. Hmm. And is that how the happy place has come about? It is. You know, there's this modern word now, which I think is new to COVID. It was in existence a long time. But now getting very, we're getting familiar with it. Pivot. Apparently you have to pivot if your job dried up or your company closed. And that affects so many people. So my little pivot from uh, the, the speaking Uh, events all drying up, was to create a similar scenario, but in a private group on Facebook. And it's for members only, it's private, and there's a subscription charge. And that's how I'm doing my little bit of pivoting. And it's so up my street. I, I love it, I really do. We do meditations with me leading and also teaching you if you've never done it before. And then I read you sleep stories because a lot of people are finding it difficult to sleep. And then there's all sorts of tips and help for living life more mindfully to create a calmer you. Mm. So that's a what I like. A little bit of calm is very important to us all oh, to yes. get us through this. Like, just if you share with me for one minute, say, sure. before we wrap up, Bibi, like... For this couple of weeks, facing into the rest of January, the kids are at home from school. We can't go anywhere. There's nowhere to go because everything is closed. We'll have moments where this is hard. So so what, a little thought. Right. Well, first of all, I'd say uh, I am by nature the most unroutine creature you could ever meet. But uh, there are certain times in life when you need routine. And you need routine. You need a reason to get up in the morning. Let's say you're an older person living alone. You have to create a little routine for your morning and stick to it. With the young children at home now being schooled, again, I think you have to create elements of uh, the structure of a timetable of a school and stick to it as well. And I'd say mentally, the last thing 
I suggest is that we all have to get into a mode of acceptance. I find that's a great tool in life for keeping me calm. And what it means is that we accept that we cannot change this COVID thing except to be very, very safe and stop mixing with people, which is very hard to do. But other than that, we have to leave it to experts out there to try to sort the situation for us. But no point in fighting against it. And you know, you were talking about India there. PJ, um, our, our language here in the Western world is very aggressive, you know? People talk about, I'm going to fight cancer, and I'm going to fight this and fight that. Well, the opposite of fight is acceptance, and it will really slow you down and calm you as well if you get into that way of thinking. And we can also do a little bit of looking forward, because this won't last forever. Mm. We're in the thick of it now, for sure, but it won't last forever. COVID doesn't stop us dreaming. That's what I would say. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Baby, we'll leave it there because that's yeah. a brilliant way to end. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you very much. That's BB Baskin. BB's happy place.ie if you want to look into that a little bit further. COVID can't stop us dreaming. I like that. I really, really like that. And it's a lovely way to finish. Hi, PJ from Paul on the off-license issue if you ban alcohol then you're just playing into the drug dealers hands all the best uh, lots of response to the story of Sean and Helen and Paddy Paddy 83 years of age um, they have no heating since the 27th of December they have no hot water to wash and to try and have a shave and just keep themselves clean they're boiling kettles uh, they are having no satisfaction trying to get it fixed by the council. We'll stay on that and we will stay on other things um, right into next week and, and beyond because that's what we do on the programme. We take on little projects like that. But that's it for today and for this week. The programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thanks to Wayne on the desk back at base. And thanks to our engineering and IT people, Jer especially, who kept Studio 1.5 going in the course of the week. We're grand here. We're all fit and healthy. We're just staying locked down for a wee while in Coogan Towers. And we're back on the opinion line Monday morning, just after nine. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.